0: Welcome to the Alpha Ministries Podcast. Alpha Ministries is a recovery church whose mission is to teach individuals and institutions to recognize and apply the gospel of grace, building stronger families and communities. Today's podcast is sponsored by TJB Web Media, a New Jersey SEO, marketing, and WordPress web design company for businesses, churches, and nonprofits. They are nationally ranked in Google as a number one SEO company in New Jersey internet marketing. Check out their information in our show notes. If you want to build a website, if you want enhancement on your website, if you want to know how to get more searches in Google, um, they are good for consultation. They work with people all over the country. They're based in the great state of New Jersey. Today's podcast is actually part 18 of the Walking Backwoods series John has been teaching on Sunday mornings at Church in the Woods at Freedom Ranch. He will be wrapping that series up, and we will be looking forward to what we're going to do next. Check out all of Alpha Ministries' information, their Facebook page, their website, Um If you want to get in touch with us, our emails are in the show notes. And without further delay, here's the message from this past Sunday, Walking Backwards, Surfing Jesus and the Life of Peter.
1: All right, I'm kind of trying to decide at this moment what I should preach on. I know it's kind of late to make that decision, but actually I had three or four different issues we could uh, talk about I'd share with you today. As you know, we've been studying the information out of the book I'm working on called Walking Backwards, which is just simply a description of a lifestyle, a new lifestyle that we enter into as believers in Jesus Christ. We enter into a lifestyle of grace and truth rather than the natural lifestyle we've all been conditioned in of law and lies. And we've been contrasting that all along. And so I was thinking, well, you know, there's some other scriptures we could look at. There's there's some scriptures about walking in truth. There's some scriptures about walking honestly. There's scriptures about walking according to this rule that Paul says. There's a lot of descriptions. There's over 200 terms or uh, 200 uses of the term walk in the scripture, which just simply means Your lifestyle. How do you live your life? Day in and day out. That's your lifestyle. And what we've been contrasting is you can live your lifestyle day in and day out under the typical way you've been conditioned to live, and that's under the law, which will produce in you a bunch of lies to cover up all the things you've missed. Or, you have the opportunity to live out this brand new lifestyle that God has given you in grace and truth, just like Jesus did. Now, I could go on and on and on about that and that contrast because as we're going to talk about when we celebrate communion here in a little bit, You know, it's a contrast between the old covenant or the old way that God dealt with humanity and the new covenant, the new way God deals with humanity. And that's that's a big subject. You could spend a lot of time talking about that. But I, I felt like today I probably ought to give you what I consider to be the most important example in the Scriptures other than Jesus Himself. The most important example in the Scriptures of someone walking backwards in that lifestyle of grace or truth is the Apostle Peter. I want to talk about him a little bit today. Particularly as an example of what it means and what opportunities we have to walk backwards like Jesus. Now, as you know, during his public ministry, Jesus called out 12 men, he named them apostles, and one of them was Peter. Now, Peter wasn't always called Peter. As a matter of fact, his surname was Barjona Barjona. Simon, Simon Bar-Jonah, son of Jonah. But when Jesus saw Peter, when he first met Peter, when Andrew, his brother, went and got him and brought him to Jesus, Jesus said, You're Simon. He already knew who he was. But I'm going to call you Peter. Now, in order to appreciate that name change, there are two things I want you to understand about it. Number one, the word Simon, or the name Simon, refers to a reed, big blade of grass, that blows to and fro in the wind. It's always moving. You now, When you read about Peter's life and you see how he lived... Even during the time he was an apostle with Jesus, before Jesus left, when you see that happening, you can see that he was always going around. He was always vacillating back and forth. So much so that I call Peter, my nickname for Peter is Brother Mouth. And the reason is he was always opening his mouth before he thought and wound up putting his foot in it most of the time. Jesus said, you're Simon, a flaky, flighty reed. But I call you Petros, a solid rock. Now, why did Jesus change his name? For the same reason he's given each one of you a brand new name. That refers to your new identity that the Gospel declares. You see, as I've said and repeated over and over again, you're no longer the same person you always thought you were. No. Jesus has changed your name. And you right now have a new name written down in heaven. The degree to which we believe that's true about us that we are a brand new person, is the degree to which we will learn to walk backwards or live in this new lifestyle of grace and truth. And so as an example of that, I want to break into the context in Matthew's Scriptures, his Gospel. In Matthew chapter 14, we have a very interesting story. I'll just read it to you, and then we'll talk about it in detail. I'm breaking into the context here and just to give you the background, Jesus had just fed a multitude of folks miraculously and he sent his disciples away in a boat and he went up into the mountain to pray. And in the fourth watch, beginning in verse 25, by the way, the fourth watch is is early, early, early in the morning. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them. In other words, Jesus went. Why? Well, let's back up to verse 24. But the ship, that's the ship that the disciples were in, the boat they were in, was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary to them. See, Jesus had told them to get in this boat and go, go to the other side. Lake Galilee, right? So they weren't afraid because fishermen fish at night, too. So they got in a boat, and they started going, but a big wind came up. Now, if you ever tried to row against the wind, can't use your sails, but it's tough. And so here they are out in the middle of this wind that came up and a storm that came up, and they were nervous. They were freaked and in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. I'll let that sink in for a minute. He didn't get in a ski He didn't start up another boat. He went to them walking on the sea. Now, is that a miraculous walk or what? Everybody's heard by now, I'm sure, the stories of Jesus walking on the water. But I want you to think about this a little bit. Walking on that sea, which is already in the middle of a storm. Walking on that sea is the most unlikely, the most backward thing a human being can think about but Jesus was doing it. He was going to His disciples in the boat, walking on the sea. Now, I have to be honest with you, I do have kind of a vision of Him doing that in the middle of a storm with waves, six or eight foot high. And my vision of Jesus walking on the sea is that He was having fun. In the middle of a storm. My vision of Jesus walking on the sea was He would run up to the top of a crest of a wave and surf for a while. See, my vision of Jesus walking in the sea no problem, damn it all. He had fun doing that. He had the power to walk supernaturally. And He did when he got to the disciples, when he came close to the boat, I don't know how far they were away, but when he got close to the boat, the disciples saw him walking on the sea. They were troubled, saying, oh, that's Jesus out there walking on the sea. No. If you saw something that looked like a human being walking in the middle of a storm on the water, you wouldn't think it was Jesus. You wouldn't think. They, They had no idea. They thought it was a ghost. Oh, man. Not only are we about to die here in this storm, but now we're seeing ghosts. Of course, they were very freaked out. They were freaked out just by the storm, but when they saw this vision... They were really freaked out. King James says they were troubled, saying, It's a spirit. And they cried out for fear. Now, that means they're really scared. You get a bunch of men in a boat crying out, you can hear them. They were crying out for fear. It was like their last desperate, desperate ditch effort. But immediately or straightway, Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I. Be not afraid. I can't visualize really or understand why he would say be of good cheer. Okay, I think that's the English, uh, old English way of him saying essentially, stop freaking out. Relax. Chill out. In other words, the first thing Jesus did for those disciples was to comfort them. To give them inward comfort and peace and hope. That's the first thing He did. And how did He do that? It is I. Now, in the Greek it reads, I am. Which is the name for God. He is the great I Am. And so when the disciples heard that, they recognized that what they thought was a ghost was really God in that storm with them. Now, this is where it gets kind of interesting because Peter answered the Lord and said, Lord, if it's really You, if it be Thou, or if it's really You, bid me come unto You on the water. If that's really You, let me walk like You're walking. You all see the picture there? Now that should be our daily prayer. Did you know that? If it's really you and you've really done what you say you've done to make me a brand new person, to give me the righteousness of Christ, to put His Spirit in me, to make me an integral member of His body, to give me His calling, to give me His mind, if it's really you, let me walk supernaturally. Let me see it. Let me come to you. Now, you all know the story here that Peter stepped out and started walking on the water and he sank. And Peter gets criticized for that by a lot of folks. saying, Oh, he didn't have enough faith. In fact, Jesus said, oh, you have a little faith. Why did you doubt? So people take off of that and say, oh, Peter... You should add more faith, man. Walk on the water. But let me put it to you this way How many of us would have even gotten out of the boat? Hmm? You see, what Peter was asking for was this supernatural walk in grace and truth, who we've been studying. What he was asking the Lord for was let me walk like you walk. Let me do it. That's a bold prayer. Because Peter didn't know. In fact, all of his conditioning was contrary to that. Did you know that? He was a fisherman. He'd been on that lake many times. No doubt caught in a storm or two. So everything he was conditioned by was contrary to him walking on the water like Jesus. But he asked. He prayed, Lord. I know it's translated in the King James, if that's really you. It's, um, I'm not going to get into all Greek construction, but it would be better translated. Lord since that's really You, let me come to You on the water." What a daring prayer. So I challenge each one of you to start your day with that same prayer. Lord, since it's really You that have made me who I am by Your grace, Since it's really you who have made me a new creation, let me walk like you walked. Now, the other disciples, I'm sure, may have wanted to do that. But Peter's the only one that did it. You can imagine being in a boat on the sea, in a storm. Who wouldn't want to get out of that boat? But you see, the fear of death overtook their fear of escape. And so they stayed in that boat, nasty as it was in the middle of the storm. But Peter, when he climbed out of that boat, now I don't know how tall the bow was or how far the water was down, but he says he climbed out He may have jumped out knowing Peter. Or he may have kind of eased out, put one foot in the water, and then began to walk. We're not given those details, but I just want you to think about it and imagine it in your mind. He began to actually walk on the water. That water was holding him up in the middle of the storm. He was walking like Jesus. Because the Lord had said to him, come on, come on. You see, Jesus answered that prayer, that prayer request of Peter immediately. And He'll do the same for you. You pray, Lord, let me walk like You walk in this world. And he will say, come on. Come on, I'll help you. Come on, I'll make it happen. Come on. You get to experience what I'm experiencing. Come on. So here comes Peter. Out of that boat. Out of all of his natural security. Against his better judgment as a fisherman. He came down out of the ship or the boat. He walked on water to go to Jesus. Now, I just want to add this one little thing in here for you to focus on. Notice where Peter was going. Okay. Peter knew where he was trying to go in the boat, and he knew he couldn't get there. But when Jesus said, Come on, come on down. Peter could have beat feet the other way. He could have gone towards the shore. But he didn't. He went to Jesus. Why? Because walking as Jesus walks on this earth is living out His life in you. It is what I've referred to over and over again. It is being Christ to others. In the middle of a storm. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. Now again, I've heard many people get critical of Peter here at this point because you know he got out, and he started walking, and then he started sinking. Now I don't know how far down he went. Okay, he may have went ankle deep, he may have went knee deep, he may have went up to his waist, up to his shoulders, I don't know. But here's the important thing about it. When he began to sink, he cried out to the Lord. See, so he asked the Lord to let him walk like he was walking. And when he was walking, while he was walking, there were all kinds of distractions, They're huge waves. Wind blowing everything. He was in the middle of a storm. Walking supernaturally like Jesus. But when he began to focus on all this stuff, some people suggest that maybe a big wave came up between him and Jesus. And he could no longer see Jesus. When... He began to sink. He cried, Lord, save me. So when you're walking like Jesus walked, it doesn't mean you've arrived. It means that the supernatural grace of God through His Spirit working in you is directing you and guiding you. It means that you are living supernaturally like Christ. But remember, remember, you're still living supernaturally like Christ on the inside, surrounded by the flesh, which has been trained not to walk supernaturally. And so there's a battle. Walking like Jesus, we've talked about this in earlier studies. It's not a bed of roses, it's not a piece of cake walking like Jesus walked. And Jesus even warned His disciples about that, didn't He? He said, in this world you shall have tribulation. You shall have storms. You shall have problems. You shall have difficulties. You shall have suffering. Jesus didn't promise some. Magic pill to take to get you away from all that. Well, what did He promise? Be a good cheer. I have overcome the world. I am able to cause you to walk supernaturally despite the storm. So when you fall, when you begin to sink in your supernatural walk, and you will, You'll make a mistake. Your flesh will flash and you'll blow it. You cry, Lord, save me. Now, he didn't. Jesus didn't rebuke Peter at first. He he didn't say, there you go, fool, I told you. Now, what did he do? He reached down and took him by the hand. And Jesus raised him up to get back in the boat. See, when you fail in your walk, it doesn't it's not the end. He's not done with you. When you cry out, Lord, save me, he reaches grabs you and holds you up so all of us are faced with the same kind of peter the uh, same kind of problem peter's face we have storms in this life we have problems seemingly insurmountable problems as far as we can tell with our resources and our energies there's no way out we're done See, these disciples were at the end of their rope. Exhausted, tired, afraid when Jesus came to them. And Peter illustrates what Jesus offers to all of us. When you pray, Lord, let me walk like you walk. Jesus will say, come on, let's do it. I'm with you. And when you begin to sink and you cry out, Lord, save me, Jesus will reach down and pull you up. Just like He did Peter. That's why I think Peter is such a good example here of this walking backwards we've been talking about. This walking backwards is a life of grace and truth as opposed to our natural life of law, rules and regulations, trying our best to behave, and lies lying to ourselves and others about our failure. And so Jesus invites us, come on. In the middle of your storm, come on. Now, I don't know what kind of storm you have, what kind of storm you're going through right now. There are a multitude of different types of storms. You're in a storm just because you're a human being living in that body of yours in this present sin-cursed world. You're in a storm just for that. You're in a storm when you lose your wife. You're in a storm when other people turn on you and betray you, stab you in the back. You're in the middle of the storm when bad things happen to you but you have the ability to pray. Lord, let me walk like you walk through this storm. Let me walk the way you walk, supernaturally, in the middle of this storm. The only question is whether you want it or not. It's available. It's there. It's real. The only question is, do you want this? Now, while the men are preparing for communion, I ask you guys to go ahead and do that, bring it back to us. While the men are preparing for communion, I want you to make this connection between walking in grace and truth being so radically different than walking in law and lies. Two opposite lifestyles all together. Two completely different lifestyles. They're completely different in terms of their motivation. A lot of people don't understand this, but God really doesn't give a rusty rat's butt about you, how you behave. Did you know that? He didn't care. He didn't care how you act. That sounds shocking? Hmm? Go read Galatians 5. In verse 5, where God says, In Christ Jesus, neither circumcision, what you do, nor uncircumcision, what you don't do, counts with God. Your behavior is never counted with God. Did you know that? Although under the Old Covenant there were prescribed behaviors, the Ten Commandments and all the ordinances, you don't live under the Old Covenant. You live under the New Covenant. God doesn't really care what you do. You know what He's caring about? You know what's really on His mind when He looks at you? Is do you trust Me? That's what He wants to know. He doesn't need to know your marvelous plans and ideas of how He needs to get you out of this storm. He's looking for one thing and one thing only. Do you trust Me? Or are you going to continue to trust yourself and your own self-effort? Do you trust me or are you going to trust your knowledge of good and evil to determine what you do or don't do? Are you going to trust me personally? See, that's what Jesus is looking for. That's what God wants. He wants your faith which works itself out continuously in love divine love for others. So the reason God wants your faith is because He knows what it will do to you. When you exercise that faith in His divine provisions and you experience that faith, it gives you hope. A a joyful expectation about your future which frees you to actually care about other people. To get out of your self-centeredness to actually love somebody else. So when Jesus came on the scene, He came to a nation, His own, which John tells us in his Gospel, received Him not. But he came to the nation, and He came with a message that was radically different from anything they'd ever heard. A message of repentance. What does that mean? The word repentance just simply means a 180 degree change in your thinking. Change the way you think for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now the way They were thinking that Jesus said, change the way you're thinking. They were thinking that they had to jump through all kinds of hoops to kiss God's butt to get him to bless him. That's what they were thinking. That's how they saw God. If I do what's right, he'll bless me. If I don't do what's right, he'll curse me. That's the way they saw God. That's Old Covenant. Lifestyle of law and lies. Jesus said, do a 180 degree change in your thinking. What are you to change to? The new covenant. In order to do that, you have to appreciate what the new covenant is. It's a new deal. It's a new contract that God made with humanity on the night before Jesus was crucified, he took the cup and he said, this is the blood of the new covenant, which is shed for the remission of sins of many. You see, Jesus instituted this new covenant lifestyle with this memorial meal we're about to observe. And when he took the bread, He said, this is my body which is being broken for you. Not as physical body, as spiritual body on this earth of which you are all members. Now, the terms of the new covenant that we are to believe in are simple. God says, I'm going to write my law on your hearts. I'm going to put it in your inward part through the miraculous working of His Spirit inside of you, He causes you not only want to want to do what's right, but to do what's right. Always. Secondly, He says, you're not going to have need to anybody teach teach you about me. I'll be your God. You'll be my people. That's a close, personal, intimate relationship between you and God. Personally. And finally, your sins and iniquities I'll remember no more. Why? Because he made you a brand new person that never did sin. Those terms of the new covenant are what we trust in, walking in the new lifestyle that he's presented to us. And when he prayed, he blessed the elements and they received the meal. Let's pray together. Father God, I come into your presence right now, and I thank you. I thank you, Father, for the elements, the blood of your son, Jesus, and for the bread, his body, that you've joined us to. And I ask you to bless these now to our understanding and our appreciation as we receive these elements. For it's in Jesus' name
0: we pray. Amen. Would you come and receive? Thank you again for listening. If you want more access to Alpha Ministries teaching, you can like us on Facebook, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and visit our website. All times and dates for services and other events are on our website listed in the show notes.